chapter 3, Colossians 3, 12 through 17. And uh, if you're new here, we are thankful that you came to visit with us. We're together as a family walking through 21 days of prayer and fasting, 21 days of prayer and fasting, and we've been praying on Wednesday nights together. Super thankful for Brandon and him and Joel putting that together this past week. We'd love for you to join us this coming Wednesday night as we pray. There's child care available. We'd love for you to be with us as we pursue the presence of God. If you're in the front royal area south of here, my small group meets. We're going to be praying together, doing a time of guided prayer. So if you're uh, south of here, we would love for you to join us on Wednesday night. Just let us know because we have food at our time. All right. We'd love to feed you. That'd be great. We are here and God is with us and his word calls us to be followers of Jesus followers of Jesus. And we've been talking about what that means. What does it mean to follow Jesus? And you could define following Jesus in three simple ways. It's to be with Jesus, intimately connected with God. To be with Jesus, to become like Jesus. That's to to live in community, to call people to be disciples of Jesus. So to be with Jesus, to become like Jesus... And then thirdly, to do what Jesus did. Jesus tells us exactly what he came to do. In John chapter 14, he says, I've come to do the will of the Father who sent me. In other words, Jesus didn't come here just willy-nilly, all on his own, deciding what he was going to do. Everything Jesus did flowed out of intimacy with the Father. Be with Jesus, become like Jesus, and do what Jesus did. That's what it means to be a disciple or an apprentice of Jesus. And so we've been in this series, The 5% Life, and The 5% Life is how. How do we go about cultivating a life of being with Jesus, becoming like Jesus, and doing what Jesus did? It really revolves around cultivating relationships. Now, every single one of you have different kinds of relationships, and you can think about how you met someone and uh, how you've cultivated that. And simply put, if you look at your life and the relationships you have, those relationships were cultivated over time. So yesterday, um, we, Jessica and I were able to go to the memorial service who for Clint Clifton, a friend of mine who um, has been my friend for 17 years, who called the gift of church planting out in me and cultivated that. And, and so for 17 years, this crazy man, an unstoppable force in terms of church planting, was in my life. Um, I look over here and I see Dino. Dino's on the front row. And uh, everybody say hello to Dino. Hi, Dino. And uh, Dino has been in my life since 2013 and uh, was a coach to me and a friend to me. And he was here yesterday for the memorial and he stayed to come to church here. And uh, because the way that we cultivate relationships is time. And uh, I look over here and I see Amber and John and um, I'm doing their premarital counseling and they were a part of Aletheia and, uh, and so super thankful for them and I've known them for years at t- time. 
And I look right here on the front row, and Jessica, I've known her longer than any of y'all, and I love her better, you know? And, uh, and, and the way that I cultivated a relationship with her, with her was time. When we first met, I won't tell that whole story, but when we first met, um, she wasn't about spending time with me because I stood her up on our first day. That happened. And uh, the way you overcome starting a relationship like that, time. Time. I remember she's, we started dating and she said, um, I'm really busy. I'm taking like 21 hours and I'm working a job. I don't have any time for you. And guess what? I weaseled my way into her time and her schedule. And the rest is history. 21 years, soon to be 22 years of marriage. How do I develop relationships with God? To be with Jesus, become like Jesus, and do what Jesus did. How do I develop a relationship like this and live this kind of life? In the same way any relationship is built, time and intentionality. Every relationship in my life is developed by choosing to invest time. So the 5% life is all about you and I, not only this year, but every year from now on in our lives to invest our time in four simple ways. And in first, the first week, we looked at 1% God time. So we're beginning this year, whether you're a brand new believer, we're just asking you to give 1% more of your day. That's 15 minutes. If you've been walking with God for a long time, we're just saying, hey, take one step closer to God in your time with Him by spending 15 minutes more. So you might be starting with 15 minutes for some of us, and some of us are adding 15 minutes. But all of us can lean in just a little bit more to growing in our relationship with God. Last week, we looked at time spent weekly in the gathering. Why? Because this is God's people gathered together. And so the way that we grow in our relationship with God and being with Jesus, becoming like Jesus, and doing what Jesus did is we invest our time in gathering with the people of God. And so we lean in just a little bit more, trusting that God's manifest presence, like we talked about last week, is going to show up here. And so we don't want to miss it, and we're just doing what Jesus did. We looked last week, the book of Luke says that as it was his custom, he went to the synagogue. Did you know that Jesus thought church was important? Jesus thought church was important. And Jesus lived and died and rose from the dead and is coming back for who? The church, his bride. And so Jesus really thinks the church is really, really important. And so we want to step into that 1% more. You know, it's interesting. I was telling somebody this week that faithful church attendance now is defined by one to two times per month. What if we just took 1% and we said, you know what? I'm, I'm going to go from two to three or from three to four. And on months like this, we got five right? Just 1% more. I'm going to lean in just a little bit more. Maybe that 1% for you is by prioritizing the gathering throughout the week to begin to prepare your hearts. And maybe for you, it's on Saturday night going to bed a little bit earlier so that you show up here early expecting God to move. Maybe the 1% for you is, you know what, usually after the service, you just jet and you leave 
And you go to lunch and you say, rather than doing that, I'm just going to hang out a little bit longer, 10 to 15 minutes longer. And so today we come to group time. So we have 1% God time, 1% gather time, and today we're going to look at Christian community and how it's essential to living the life that Jesus lived. Christian community is essential to living the life that Jesus lived. You see, the Christian life is nothing less than the life which he lived then, now lived in and through you. So each week we're viewing this through the lens of Jesus. Look at these words in Mark chapter 3, verse 13 and 14. It says, And he went up on the mountain and called him those whom he desired, and they came to him. And he appointed twelve, also, he also named the apostles, so that they might be with him. They might be with him, and he might send them out to preach. Now that looks like very simple on, uh, on a basic reading level, but I don't want you to miss this. If you have a Bible in front of you, I want you to underline that phrase they, so that they might be with him. And then you can underline the phrase, he might send them out to preach. In other words, we're with Jesus before we do anything for Jesus. We're with Jesus before we do anything for Jesus. Before Jesus sends his disciples out to heal and preach and teach and establish the church, they spend time with him. In this small group of people, Jesus deliberately chose to surround himself with people and invite them to join him in what he was doing. You and I can quickly get to the heart of God by reading John chapter 17, this high priestly prayer of Jesus. And Jesus prays this prayer that they would all be one, that they would be unified for the purpose of going out and living on his mission. So before he ever says, go do something for me, he prays that we would be with Jesus, that we would spend time with him. So as we jump into Colossians and see Paul's perspective on Christian community and how it's essential to living the life that Jesus lived, I wanted us to start there because living the life that Jesus lived and the message that Paul shares with us, what Christian community should look like and how we can make it essential in our lives and prioritize it, we see that this comes from the very heart of God, that this was important to Jesus. That Jesus called people to spend time with him. And then he sent them out to live for him. Let's look at Colossians 3, 12 through 17. Scripture says this, Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts. Everybody say compassionate hearts. Kindness. Humility. Meekness, patience, look at your neighbor and say patience, that means you, that means you, right, that means you, that means every single one of us needed that word, right, patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, 
so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love. Everybody say love. Which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. God, help us to understand these words today. Help us to see that these are words of life that will require sacrifice, but will transform our lives. God, you meant to bring others into our life to make us more like you. Holy Spirit, help us to understand these words this morning in Jesus' name. And everybody said? So, number one, you can write this down. Christian community is essential to following Jesus. I love how crystal clear Paul is in his perspective and description of what community should look like. I I want you to see that he is not like kind of being vague or lacking transparency on what community should look like. He is clear. He's crystal clear. Paul is communicating that these are defining marks of Christ's life lived out in you and me. Paul does not give us these characteristics as options, but he says they are essential. It's essential that these things be what your life is about. It's significant to note, William Barclay says this, it's significant to note that every one of those virtues and graces listed has to do with personal relationships. You can all testify to the fact that it's easy to be patient when you're by yourself. It's easy to be compassionate when you are by yourself. So let's look at these characteristics, these aspects of the life of Jesus that will never be developed in you and I apart from community. The life that Jesus has for you to live, to be with Jesus, to become like Jesus, and to do what Jesus did cannot be done on your own. It cannot be lived in this individualistic, Americanized version of Christianity. It can only happen in the way that Jesus talks about and in the way that Paul describes here in Colossians. So what are those aspects? Look at the verse, verse uh, number 1 in in verse 12. It says, put then on as God's chosen holy ones, holy and and beloved, compassionate hearts. This word compassion means to feel so deeply for another person that you hurt when they hurt. That you hurt when they hurt. I I experienced this yesterday with 1,200 people celebrating the life of Clint. And, And as we walked in, you didn't have to say one word. But people would hug you and you'd just start crying. Dino didn't have to stay here overnight and come here, but when he did and he showed up and he did what he normally does, which is call me to tell me he's lost. (laughs) 
And I saw him at the end of Piccadilly and Loudon, and I walked him over here. And he's like, now it makes sense. And, and we were just laughing. And we looked at each other. And it was compassion. I know you hurt. And I'm hurting. And we're going to hurt together. See, compassion is impossible without personal involvement in the lives of others. And God says that the defining factor of being with Jesus and becoming like Jesus and doing what Jesus did, a part of that is involving your life in a small group of people like Jesus did with his disciples. And when they hurt, you hurt. So we see here an aspect that must be formed in our lives through Christian community is compassion. He says kindness. Kindness is compassion expressed through attitudes and actions seeking to meet the needs of others. See, God wants to develop your life through seeing needs and meeting those needs in the lives of others. This is one of the things that Mosaic is great at. We're good at this. We see a need and we meet a need. I got a card this week. Hey, I know this is an incredibly difficult week for you. I'm praying for you. Our family's for you if you need anything. Hey, can we watch your kids? What is this? This is kindness. It's kindness. Every single one of you, when you find yourself in a place of struggle and difficulty and hurting and hardship, what makes it even harder is when you're not a part of a small group, a Christian community that says, you know what, when you hurt, I hurt, and I'm going to do something about it. That's kindness. The next thing he says is humility. Kindness, humility. Humility with humility, we see what this means in Philippians 2, verse 3. So what we used to say at Alethe is rock and fill too, right? It's, it's this idea of I'm going to place your needs higher than my own, that you are the most important person in my world that I'm going to care about and I'm going to prioritize you. I'm going to humble myself and prioritize you. Humility. Paul then says gentleness. Gentleness. Now, when you hear the word gentleness, somebody help me, what do you think of? What was that? Tactful, okay? If, if I were to describe and say, you know, JR, he's a gentle guy. Would you guys hear that as a positive or a negative? Positive? If we're being just manly dudes, we'd all say that's negative. Right? We'd say that's negative. He's weak, right? We often think gentleness is weakness. But that's not what Paul is trying to communicate here. Gentleness, this original word means harnessing one's strength for the good of others. It's a willingness to suffer injury rather than inflict it. So so I'm going to put myself in harm's way to help you. This is gentleness. Then he gets to the word that none of us like to pray for, right? Patience. Everybody say patience. You know, you've been in small group probably and heard somebody say, hey, how can I pray for you? I don't know if I want to say this. That's what they say. I don't know if I want to say this, but pray that I'll be patient. And they do that, right? Because they know the opportunity's coming for God to help them become patient. So what does Paul mean here? This is patient with people as opposed to circumstances, just being patient with circumstances. 
So Paul uses actually a specific word here that means to be patient with people, not just things, not just circumstances. In other words, God brings circumstances into you and I and my life so that I will actually become patient. There's difficult situations that you're going to encounter in this coming year, and God's intention for that is to push you deeper into community, not cause you to withdraw more from community, because he wants to develop something in you. Then he says, bearing with one another. Bearing with is putting up with others even when they fail or act differently from what is expected. And then he says, forgiving each other. This means to show grace towards someone when wronged. Listen to this quote. This is so good. It says, Forgiveness means that the Christian continues his relationship with another person in spite of what has been done. He or she refuses to let a personal pain result in a ruptured relationship. Forgiveness, therefore, is a moment of holiness and grace in life in which human weakness is recognized, human needs are exposed, and the love of God operates both in the heart of the one who forgives and the one who's forgiven. I love that. But look at what he ends this list with. He says, and above all these... Put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. You see, all of these other aspects, all of these things, compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with one another, forgiving each other, all of these characteristics are demonstrations of love. I show love to you when I'm patient towards you. You show love to me when you're compassionate. You see, it's this give and take thing, and it's all surrounded by the love of God. It's demonstrated in different ways in our lives. You see, all of these characteristics are demonstrations of the love of Christ in and through my life towards others. So Mosaic, you and I can only become all that God desires for us when we allow His life to be lived through loving relationships in community. I cannot obey any of the commands while trying to live life on my own. You see, much of the individualism that we are sold is leaving in us a void that can only be found through Christian community. Much of the individualism that we are being sold is leading us away from being disciples of Jesus, which is to be with Jesus. Immediately when you start a relationship with Jesus, you're in community. And then he calls us to become like Jesus. What did Jesus do? He lived in community with his disciples. And then to do what Jesus did, to go live on mission with what? With the followers of Jesus. Reaching people to become followers of Jesus. Community is more than just coming to a gathering. This is large groups. This is small groups. This is one-on-one. This is doing life together. This is meeting on Saturdays and working out together. 
What's been terrible about these last couple of weeks for me is missing Saturday mornings with Josiah, working out, sweating. Why? It's community. It's doing life together. This has been the pattern of the church for 2,000 years. This is what we see in Acts 2, 42 through 47. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers, and day by day, attending the temple together. Everybody say together. And breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. You see, community is not what we do as a church. It's who we are. That's who we are. This is ideally people in 8 to 20, right? You get past 20 and people can hide. And so it's small groups of people walking with Jesus together. This includes the study of Scripture, but it's not just the study of Scripture. This includes a Bible study, but it's not just a Bible study. You know, you can have a Bible study and not have community. But if you have community around the Word of God, it's life-changing. Number two, Christian community is essential to remain faithful to Jesus. You see, in this passage, we see in verse number 15 through the end of the chapter, some challenges that face us. We see the challenge to seek Christ with others in verse number 15. He says, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. You see, we come together to see Jesus. And when you see Jesus on your own, it's really, really important that you have an individual relationship with God, but there are aspects of who Jesus is and who God is that you will not see unless someone helps point it out to you. God desires this in your life. Romans 12, 18 says, If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. We see the peace of God in community. We see it exhibited. It's an opportunity for us to seek Christ with others. Another challenge is to see Christ in others. Look at verse 16. For by Him all things were created in heaven and on earth, invisible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through Him and for Him. We see here in this passage, in Colossians 1, this beautiful picture. In Colossians 3, verse 15, he says this, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. Throughout this whole book of Colossians, he's helping us to see that the word of Christ dwells in us richly. It's the idea of seeing the message of Jesus through our lives as we experience community. He says teaching. You you can instruct yourself, but it's in community that we're taught. We're instructed in the Word of God. Did you know that there are realities and dimensions of living the life of Christ that you and I will never see apart from seeing it in the life of others? 
I saw this in the idea of prayer and being a praying person when we were at Pillar Dumfries through the life of a guy named Jack Catalano. I saw Jack yesterday at the memorial, and Jack is close to 80 now and can barely see. And uh, his wife, Eileen, kind of leads him around, and he, he constantly is doing this with his glasses, you know, just trying to catch a glimpse of who you are. But when I first met Jack, I met Jack at a prayer meeting at Pillar, a Tuesday night prayer meeting at his house. And that Tuesday night prayer meeting at his house led to a Wednesday night prayer meeting where dozens of people gathered together. And uh, it's the lifeblood. He would say this is the lifeblood of our church. And uh, I learned how important prayer is from Jack. I would have never learned that without being in community with Jack. So much so, I remember there was this guy named Andy Laswell who was struggling with all kinds of ailments, and he came to the prayer meeting, and Jack said, Andy, how can we pray for you? And he said, "Um, my diabetes and my legs have gotten so bad that they might have to cut my legs off from the knee down. And uh, Jack said, well, the Word of God says we can anoint you with oil and pray over you, and God will heal you. So we're going to do that right now. And his wife, Eileen, was out of town, and he's like, where's my healing oil? He's from Boston. He's like saying it with a Boston accent. He's like, where's my oil? You know, and he's like going around, running around. He can't find it. And he goes, it's okay. We've got canola oil up here. And he just opens up the cupboard, grabs the canola oil, and comes over and just dumps it on Andy. And Andy's like, what is going on? And they prayed for Andy, and God healed Andy. And in that moment, I realized how important prayer is. And Jack taught me that in group. You see, the challenge to see Christ in others happens when we live in community. And it's overcome. So we have this challenge to see Christ with others. We have a challenge to see Christ in others. And then we have the challenge to have the life of Christ called out in me. Look at verse number 16 of chapter 3. He uses this phrase, admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. This word admonishing is not like we think about it like, scolding someone. Rather, this word means to place in the mind, to warn, to strongly encourage. There were times when Jack strongly encouraged, we need to be about prayer and the ministry of prayer. And it called that out in my life because we were in group together. There have been moments in my small group on Wednesday nights in Front Royal where people remind me the importance of pressing in and reading the Word of God. They admonish me. And so the challenge to live the life of Christ and continue to be faithful and not forsake it happens as a result of being in this kind of community. Lastly, Verse 17 helps us to see that Christian community is essential to living on mission for Jesus. So we see that Christian community is essential to following Jesus, and Christian community is essential to remaining faithful to Jesus, but did you know that it's essential to living the mission of Jesus? 
Look at verse 17. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. This word, whatever you do, means to express the life of Jesus in action. So whatever you do, compassion, patience, kindness, all of this work is meant to help you express the life of Jesus. That's what it's meant for. Paul closes this whole section on life and community by reminding us that it's always about making the name of Jesus known through our lives. It's not just so that you would receive compassion. No, as I receive compassion, I see just how kind God has been to me, and I want to extend that compassion to somebody else. Whenever someone is patient with me, I realize just how patient God has really been with me. And so I go out and extend the patience of God to others. You see, it is and always will be about the mission of God. And God extends His mission through the community that we're a part of. Listen to this quote by John Piper as we close. Christianity is a soul-winning, outreaching, mind-persuading, heart-entreating, rescuing missionary faith. Or it is not true Christianity. We need to be reminded of this because it is almost incredible how listless we can become while calling ourselves Christians. Little by little, our whole orientation becomes inward. We can go on for months and years and not think about those who are perishing. We can become so dull and spiritually callous that we don't even think, we don't even ask if those we know believe in hell or lostness or the preciousness of Christ, or the power of the cross, or the freeness of the gospel, or the command of Jesus. We just go about our in-house religious business like a medical clinic that sees fewer and fewer patients and has more and more staff meetings until there is nothing left but a smooth running program. for the doctors and nurses and their families. That is what happens to many churches. And you say, why why are we doing the 5% life? Because we don't want to become that kind of church mosaic. We want to be a, a kind of church that says we love God and we pursue God and we spend time with Jesus and we become like Jesus. And so we go do what Jesus did. We love the people who live and work around the walking mall. We love the people who live and call Winchester their home. We love the Shenandoah Valley and the thousands of people who do not know Jesus. That's why we're here. That's why we gather in small groups. That's why we ask that each of you are a part of a group because we know that if you're not, you'll just go about your business. You'll come here And you'll help us cultivate a really nice service that Christians like. 
But that's not what we're about. Our mission here is inviting everyday people to surrender everything. To surrender everything to live and love and labor for the glory of Christ. That's why we're here. We're not here to have a neat service. We're we're here to invite you to surrender everything. We're here to ask you to invite friends to fill up the new 50 seats we bought. We're here to help you and inspire you and encourage you and to encourage each other to live on mission for God. So let me ask you this question as we close. What would valuing community look like for you? Write that down. Put that in your mind. Put it in your notes app. What would valuing community look like for you? What would it look like for you to increase or go 1% deeper in the next 30 days? In the next 30 days. Here's what I know. In the next 30 days, what that's going to mean, Pastor Joel, he's right back there. He's in charge of our small groups. In the next 30 days, we're going to need to start some. Because we only got like four or five right now, and there's more of you than what would be healthy and whole in our communities. In the next 30 days, some of you need to go see Pastor Joel. Today, your next step might be to go see Pastor Joel and say, hey, can you tell me about the groups we have? For some of you, in the next 30 days, it's like, hey, I'm in a group and and God's calling me to start another one. In the next 30 days. So maybe it's starting to attend a group. Maybe it's launching a group. Maybe it's going on mission together. Next Sunday, we're going to talk about that. Looking for opportunities for seven days in a calendar year to just live on mission. We're going to provide opportunities for you to do that. And we'll talk more about that next week. But how could you do that as a group? Maybe it's taking donations for Crisis Pregnancy Center. Maybe it's, it's giving groceries to a neighbor. Maybe it's doing what our group did on Sunday nights. They put together backpacks for our homeless brothers and sisters who come here on Sunday and we're able to give them some essentials for living life. And and so there's backpacks out at the welcome desk. That's one of our groups did that. They're living on mission. You see, all of this is possible because Jesus left the community of heaven. He was in intimate relationship with the Father and the Spirit and never knew what it looked like to live life on his own. And he humbled himself, took on the form of a servant. And that's what we celebrate this morning in the Lord's Supper. And this is a, it's a Christian meal. It's It's a meal for those of us who have put our faith and trust in Jesus. And it says, thank you, God, for stepping out of infinite community with the Father and the Son. And to experience what you and I experience, which is separation from God. Listen to 2 Corinthians 5.21. It's up on the screen. It says this, For our sake, He made Him. He, the Father, made Him, Jesus, to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. See, that's what God did. He stepped out of community so that you and I could be in community. 
He stepped out of heaven and experienced our sin by taking it on. And his blood was shed, his body was broken, and he gave everything so that we could be in relationship with him. So that we could call him our friend, so that he could be our savior and our God and our Lord and our master and our redeemer. That's who Jesus is. That's who we celebrate. Would you stand with us this morning?